All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name's Dave Everett, and uh, we're going to just jump into our message this morning here on knowing the Holy Spirit. We're almost done. I'm going to do one more week next week, and then we will wrap this uh, long series up, and then we'll get into a new series called Experiencing the Spirit of Faith, and I'll be talking about that beginning the first Sunday in May. So anyway, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Just so you know, all of our teachings, uh, I think we're in week 16 on this, uh, so we're going to have 17 total. They're on our website. They're all archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we thank you for all of our financial partners who have uh, partnered with us with their tithes and your offerings. Uh, so we can continue to bring these messages to you and around the world. We have regular people watching all over the world, from Pakistan to Afghanistan to India, uh, Malaysia. Um, so we have uh, Philippines. <laughs> we have people from all over Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, uh, and some other places as well. I can't name them all. Uh, many Latin American countries, so as well as many places here in the United States. So anyway, just thank you for for your partnership. We have over six thousand followers now. We're we're, we're approaching the seven thousand uh, follower mark uh, pretty soon here. So anyway, uh, just thank you for that. We will have our Bible study tonight at six o'clock on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack, as well as our Bible study on Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Uh, by uh, again by Andrew Womack on the, the Believer's Authority. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our message again this morning. We're just a little bit, a few minute delay here in getting started, but here we are. We're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. I want to once again use my uh, kickoff verses and uh, for this uh, series from Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. This is the very last verse of Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth, and he says, "The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all." And so uh, we think. Uh, and, and so we, and I, I, uh, sorry, I'm jumbling. <laughs> so let, let's get to the message translation here. It says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. <coughs> and again, I've been saying this every week, uh, all 16 weeks. We talk a lot in this church about the amazing grace of the Mass of Jesus Christ. We talk a lot about the extravagant love of the Father. And in this particular series, we've been highlighting the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. We want to know God. We want to know the Holy Spirit. We want to know Jesus. And so we want to know all three. So with that in mind, we're going to get some new territory this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And today we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. We've talked a lot about in weeks past. We've talked about tongues. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about t- prophecy. We've talked about Pentecost. Uh, we talked a lot, a lot of different things about in relation to knowing the Holy Spirit. This week and next week, like I said, I'm going to have one more week on this series, and then we'll get into a new series at the beginning of May. Um, these are probably the capstone of really what I want to uh, communicate. 
Everything else I share is important. Don't get me wrong. I'm never downsizing that. But at the same point in time, this is really the heart of really what I want to get to in teaching this. And most of my teaching series is that way, where I will spend a lot of time talking about stuff that will help get the backdrop of what I'm wanting to talk about. But then I kind of like a lawyer come in with my closing arguments. And this is my closing arguments this week and next week of everything I've been trying to teach over the last few weeks. Uh, in light of tons, in light of the gifts, in light of uh, many other things. Uh, this is what I want to talk about. Galatians 5, beginning verse 16, says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to come back to here. This is one of my key verses, okay? <coughs> For the flesh lusts after the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these things are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit this morning, but in contrast to that, the works of the flesh are evident, are obvious, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice these such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's a difference, I believe, in someone who's committing one of these sins, because we can all sin, and someone who, this is their lifestyle that they're characterized by. Well, they're not repentant. And that, I'm not so much going to teach on this. This is not my message this morning. But it's in context here. Okay? But I believe there's a difference. And so, you know, between some, those who, this is their lifestyle versus someone who, uh, our, our flesh, even though we're born again, our flesh can still lust. We're born again, spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is born again, not our, not our body and not our mind. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind, but our, our flesh can still lust. How do we control the flesh? Well, we'll, go, we'll, we'll come back to verse 16 in a minute, but uh, before I go to my next verse, uh, in 5.16 says, Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You control the flesh by walking in the spirit. You don't control the flesh by the flesh. That, that's, that, you can't do that. It's impossible. Uh, your flesh will lust for things. How do you not fulfill the lust of the flesh? I can, I can have temptation come in my life, but I don't have to fulfill that temptation. I don't have to give place to that temptation. I, I can't control a bird from flying over my head, but I can control whether that bird's going to lay a nest in my head, in my hair. Okay? I don't have much to work with here, but at the same point in time, I can control that. Okay? First um, Corinthians six eleven, Paul talks along these same lines, and and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Again, we've been talking the, the last few weeks. We've been talking about two major functions of the Holy Spirit. You get to get you saved, the oil. And to get you filled with the Holy Spirit, the wine. I'm not going to talk about that. I've talked about that the last two weeks. And the Holy Spirit is to lead us and to guide us into all truth. He wants to get us saved. That's the first and primary and will always be the primary function of the Holy Spirit on this side of heaven. On this side of Jesus coming again. But once we're saved, 
He wants to fill us with His wine, with His Spirit to lead us and to guide us in all truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you know the truth and you're walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that whole list of things that Paul says will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Spirit of truth will lead us and guide us all truth. John 16, 13 says, However, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into not just some truth, but all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears will speak, and He will tell you the things to come. That's John 16, but John 14 says, The Spirit of the truth whom the world cannot receive. Why can't the world receive it? It hasn't received... <coughs> the world hasn't received oil. It hasn't been born again. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. And we're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. There's the oil and the wine here. You know, the, the, the world cannot receive it because it doesn't, you can't receive the wine until you receive the oil. I've talked about that the last two weeks. And I, I'm not, uh, uh, you're going to have to re-listen to my archives to get that teaching. I'm not going to teach on that again today. We're talking about knowing Him. If you're born again and if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, you should be knowing, as we, my kickoff verse from 2 Corinthians 13, 14, that you would have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? I'm, I'm going to build on this case. I'm just building the case now. Just bear with me. Okay? The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. He reveals God to you. He doesn't speak of Himself. He speaks, he reveals God to you. He reveals the king, Jesus, and his kingdom. The kingdom of God is not there or here. The kingdom of God is within us. We are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. He reveals God. He reveals Jesus, the king, and the kingdom. He reveals what's true. And why does he reveal all this? He shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John eight thirty two. So we can walk in the light. So we can walk in the spirit. So we can walk with God. That phrase, that word, walk with God, means to abide in Him. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. But so we can walk in the light that God ordained before the foundation of the world. God did not ordain you to lust after the flesh. God did not ordain you to 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 commit sin. God ordained you to walk with God, to be in a relationship with God. That relationship with God was severed because of sin through Adam. But Christ came to restore you back into right relationship with Him. That's the teaching of righteousness that we teach a lot in this church. God, the whole, God, Jesus, God through Christ made you in right relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit is revealing that to you. The Holy Spirit, John 16, will convict the world of sin because they do not know Him, but you of righteousness because He goes to the Father. The Holy Spirit is revealing righteousness to you. It's revealing the Father to you. I know I'm teaching a, little, a lot of this right now. Short, there's a lot what I'm saying. I could spend weeks and hours on everything I'm teaching right now. But the Holy Spirit is, is revealing the kingdom. It's the kingdom of righteousness. It's the kingdom of God. It held King Jesus. God, he revealing all these things to you so you can know the truth and you can walk in the light. You can walk in the spirit. You can, don't have to walk at, in fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You can walk as children of the day, children of the light, children of, of, uh, of God, born again. 
Be who you are. God has ordained before the foundation of the world. And, and God has consummated in the finished work of the cross. God wants you to walk in everything that he provided to you through Jesus. Through the cross. So that he, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal and lead you into all truth. <coughs> There's a lot here that I just said, and I wish I had more time on this. But we teach, if you've been, if you follow our archives, all of our teachings on our website and whatnot, you'll see that we teach these things regularly. So, sorry, I don't want to lose those keys. Okay. Galatians 5.16, going back to where we started this, this morning. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know this word fulfill is the same Greek word where Jesus said it is finished. It's the same word. You won't fulfill the lust. How do, how do you control the flesh? The flesh will lust for things. The, the flesh is, in, is against God. It wars against the, the things of the Spirit. We read that. Okay? But... We control the flesh by walking in the Spirit. You don't control the flesh by the flesh. No. Paul says in Romans 6, we've crucified the flesh. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, that we know no man after the flesh. The flesh is dead. But we are also spirit, soul, and body. And it's our spirit that's born again. But our, our body and our mind, will, and emotions is still kicking. Okay? Uh, and we will get a new body one day. We will get a glorified body one day. But the flesh can still lust. But you don't have to fulfill that lust. You know, I, I can't control whether sickness or temptations come to me. But I can control whether I'm going to own that temptation. I'm going to give place to that temptation. Or I'm going to allow that sickness to stay and have do, uh, dom, dominance in my life. If, if, if sickness comes in my life, what do I do? I rebuke it. I submit to God, I resist the devil, and he flees. Sickness, whether that be sickness, sin, or whatever. Jesus died for my sin, and he also died for my sickness. Because sickness didn't even originate without... There was no sickness in the garden until the fall. Sickness is part of the curse. Sickness is part of dying. And Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. The, the curse... It talked about the curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it lists many things, most of those things are sicknesses. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But how do we control the flesh? We walk in the Spirit. That's what we're going to be talking about today as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Now, this is the same context. We're talking, we're in chapter 5. I've read the other verses. I'm going to pick it back up where we left off. But the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We're going to be talking about these nine fruits of the Spirit in just a moment, okay? It's in the same context what we're reading. We're talking about walking in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Different translations might read some of these words a little differently, but they're still the same fruit. Okay? <clears throat> Verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. If you are Christ, you've crucified the flesh. We're talking about walking in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You, you're, you, the flesh has been crucified. It's been ransomed. But it's not redeemed yet. Your born-again spirit is redeemed, 
But until Christ comes again, you won't have a redeemed. You're going to get a glorified body, but you have, yeah. But we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There's less. If we live by in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That which is born of, let me get, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm real excited about this message, so I'm trying to contain myself a little bit here. You know, if we are born again, if we crucify the flesh, and we're born again, then let's walk like it. Jesus said in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You and I, if we receive Jesus, we receive the oil that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, we are born again. We're not born again in the flesh. We went, we didn't crucify the flesh and get born in the flesh again. No, we were, we're born again. And that which is spirit is spirit. I'm going to come back to this a little bit. Some people were asked, well, is my born again spirit capital S or little s? And I'm going to answer that in just a moment. It's both. Because that which is of the spirit is spirit. It's the word is in there. It is. It's like an eco sign. It's the same. Because Christ is in me. I'm born of his spirit. I'm born again. I have the nature of God. I have the DNA of God born in my spirit. I have his seed. I'm born again of incorruptible seed. By the word of God. I'm not born again, no disrespect to my natural father, but I, he's my, after his seed, like father, like son or daughter, or like, like father, like child, I'm born again of his seed. Naturally speaking, I'm born of my father, natural father's seed. But spiritually speaking, I'm born of his seed. And that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. And if you will walk according to the spirit, if you will walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill this flesh that has been crucified in Christ. Okay? Let's move on. Fruit versus gifts. We talked a lot about gifts in this series so far, but we all well, now we're talking about fruit. And I want to make just a, a few comparisons here. There's nine gifts listed in First Corinthians uh, chapter twelve. There's nine fruit, and I'll get back to that. Whether that's singular or plural, in just a moment. Listed in in, in Galatians five twenty-two to twenty-three. <coughs> it's kind of unique that there's nine to nine. Okay, the gifts, I'm not going to reteach on this, but therefore the working of the ministry. Therefore the serving and edifying of one another. They're to help a hurting and dying world. But the fruit is our character. It's our lifestyle. It's our new nature. It's virtue. Okay. It's the life of God. It's the gifts of the Spirit, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not our gifts, it's the gifts of the Spirit. It's not our fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. But why? Because, I'm going to toggle back real quick, we're born, what's Spirit? Spirit, what's flesh? Flesh. It's the Spirit of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Just like they're the gifts of the Spirit. But gifts and fruit are two different things. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit, there's nine character traits of our born-again Spirit. And that's love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc. Those are character traits. Those are, that's our, our nature. We are recreated. We are regenerated spirits, the Bible talks, talks about. 
I don't have all those scriptures in front of me right now. We're born of God. We're born of the Spirit. What is Spirit is Spirit, John 3, 6. We've already dealt with that. That making sense? Okay. Again, John 3, 6, I've already talked about this. We're born of the Spirit. Okay. First John 3, 2, 1, 3, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. I'm cutting off the verse right there because I'm not teaching on all of this right now. I, I, what, 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 I, what I'm trying to emphasize right now that we're born of God. We're born of the Spirit. And behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us <coughs> that we should be called the children of God. If we're the children of God, then He's our Father. And if we're, he's our father, then we should have his nature on the inside of us. You know, if you, if you sow corn, you're going to get corn. Dogs begot dogs. Cat begot cats. Monkeys begot monkeys. You get the point? If we're born of the Spirit, then if we're born of God, then we are going to be, we're going to have his nature, his character, his virtue on the inside of our born again spirit that's born again. Okay? And it goes on to say in verse 2 of First John chapter 3, Beloved, now we are children of God. We are children. Now, we're not becoming children of God. If we receive Christ, we behold, we are the children of God. And we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like God, like father, like child. We shall be like our father. And we're born of the Spirit. Okay? We're born of God. Our born-again spirits are like what they are born of. Our born-again spirits are not flesh. Our spirit, we're born again. We're born of God. We weren't born again of flesh. We weren't, you know, Nicodemus did, was trying to understand this to, when he's talking to Jesus. Am I going to go back in my mom's womb? No, what is flesh is flesh. What is spirit is spirit. You're born again. We have God's DNA. We are children of God. We have the nature of God. We have the character of God. We have the lifestyle of God. We have the power of God. We have the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, the fruit of a tree, a flower, is the byproduct of that tree. It's a byproduct. It's not the root. It's not the seed. It's the, the, it's, it's a byproduct. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And if we're born of God, we should have his nature, his character, <coughs> his DNA, his lifestyle, his power on the inside of us. This is awesome if you think about this. Because you're not the source. These nine fruit that we're going to be talking about don't originate from you, the flesh. They originate from the spirit whom you are born of. They are the nature of God, and you are born of God. Okay? Fruit versus fruits. People ask, well, I taught many years through the years that it's the fruit of the Spirit, singular. And that's true. At the same point in time, the word fruit can be both singular and plural. I can say there's fruit on the table. And there is fruit on the table. If you come here, you're going to see bananas, uh, apples, and oranges. You could say there's fruits on the table, but most people say there's fruit on the table. So the word fruit can be singular or plural. 
I'm not going to split hairs on that. But at the same point in time, I can teach it both ways. I can teach the out, you know, I can, the, the alimony of, of the fruit having nine traits and nine aspects, just like a prism has many different angles. At the same point in time, like, just like there's color, where does color come from? It comes from light. A rainbow. A pr- through a prism, you can see the, 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 the color in light. It's the same as with the fruit of the Spirit. At the same point in time, I can also use it in a plural sense, because I can, just like I can say there's fruit on the table, and there can be a mixture of different kinds of fruits. I can also say, we, I have love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc. The fruit of the Spirit on the inside of me. Okay, I can go either way with that. So, anyway, that's just a minor point, but I thought I'd bring that out. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit. Again, well, I've already talked about this, but uh, we're born of the Spirit, and we have His DNA on the inside of us, okay? We're talking about walking in the Spirit, okay? You are born of God. You are born of the Spirit. If you are born of the Spirit, His nature is already inside of you in seed form. I want to say that again. I want you to get this, because this is one of my major points, we're going to talk. We're talking about walking in the spirit, but I got to lay some groundwork here. If you are born of God, if you are born again, if you are born of the Spirit, then His nature, His is already in you. You can't be born of God and His nature not being. I can't, naturally speaking, I can't be born of my mom and my dad, specifically His seed, and His nature not being in me. <laughs> If you did a DNA test on me and my father, it's going to be very similar. It's not going to be identical because I'm my own individual, but you can tell you can tell through my DNA that I came naturally speaking from my father. Same thing spiritually speaking. There should be his nature is in you in seed form: love, joy, peace, good, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. <coughs> and I gave you some uh, other um, alternates of the, the word used in different translations. I didn't give you all of them because there's many, many more alternates for some of these words. But his nature. If I'm born of God, his love is on the inside of me in seed form. His patience is on the inside of me in seed form. His self-control is on the inside of me in seed form. Okay? How can you... Con- how can you, going back to uh, controlling the lust of the flesh, you can't control the lust of the flesh without self-control. And you don't have self-control without the Spirit. It doesn't exist. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of the flesh. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what... If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say, it doesn't say, you got to hear this, it doesn't say you won't still lust. But if you have, there's a still unrenewed, unredeemed side of us. Our mind, our body and our mind, our body and our soul is not redeemed. It's purchased, it's, it's purchased, but it's, it's, it's ransomed. But it's not redeemed yet. We we won't get those redeemed until Jesus comes again. But when Jesus comes again, we will get a glorified body. And our mind, and our, and our spirit, our mind, our spirit knows all things. Okay, that's a whole other teaching. I don't, I don't have time to get into all that right now. 
We teach that in this church through spirit, soul, and body. We have some teachings on our website and uh, whatnot. Your spirit is born again. It's trans. Your soul, your mind, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans twelve one. I'm not going to teach on that today, but we can be transformed. We can have a renewing of our mind. Okay, but. You're, my point is, because this, why am I teaching this? Because some people still get frustrated, and there's some doctrines that come out of this that people think you're not saved yet. Even though you're born again, your your flesh can still lust. But how do you control it? How do you how do you not fulfill the lust of the flesh? You walk in the spirit, and the spirit gives you self control among other fruit. Okay. I mean, another, not just self-control, but you have faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, and many other fruit I can bring into the, the, the realm of not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. <coughs> okay. First Corinthians 10, 12, but at the same point in time, no reason I mention this, because Paul said to Corinthians that, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't be a fool. Don't think that just because you're born again, you can't fall. You can fall. Your fl- your flesh can still lust. If the moment you stop walking in the spirit, your flesh wants to take over. So we have to be diligent. We have to be steadfast, like the early church and the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to prayer, and the breaking of bread. I got those out a little bit out of order, but still, they're all four there. Those are our four. Those four things I just mentioned are our core. T- Doctrines and core teachings of this church. And those are all spelled out on our website. It's a fool to think that you can't lust. You can't be tempted. That you can't fall. You walk in the Spirit daily. As you walk in the Spirit daily, we can all fall. We all all can fall. Fulfilling the lust of flesh. If we are not walking out the Spirit daily. The key is walking in the Spirit. Okay? Again, nine fruit in seed form is already in your born-again Spirit. They're there. But just because they're there, they're still in seed form. I have to walk in the Spirit. I need to abide in the Spirit. I won't fulfill the lesser. Just because they are there in seed form, if I don't walk in the Spirit, they won't come to fruition. They won't. They won't be dominant in my life. We've had seeds before. We had them in a jar. And until they're planted, they can't do anything. (laughs) They're just in a jar. Okay? But we have in these jars of clay, in these vessels that God has sanctified, we have the nine fruits of the Spirit in seed form. But we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to abide in Him. We need to allow the, the... They need to be watered by the Word. They need to be planted. They need to be experienced. Okay? So again, the nine fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness or faith, gentleness, Self-control or temperance. Okay? And uh, now, I want to switch gears a little bit in my teachings this morning. I believe, as, as well as there's nine fruit, singular or plural, however you want to define that, 
I believe all nine of these are all eight of these are all wrapped up in love. Okay? And I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna focus on in the next few minutes here. Okay? We have nine fruit, nine character traits, but I can find all nine of these in love. Love for example, let's talk about love for a moment. Love is the fruit of the spirit. It's a predominant fruit in the, of the nature of God. God is love, and we're born of God. Okay, we're going to bring some scriptures down in just a few moments from First John chapter four. The fruit of the spirit is defined in love. First Corinthians thirteen fourteen eight. We're going to go here in just a second. Okay, God is love. Like I said, we're going to go here in just a moment. You will never have joy independent of God's love. You will never have peace independent of God's love. You will never have patience independent of God's love. You will never have kindness independent of God's love. You will never have goodness independent of God's love. You will never have faithfulness or faith independent of God's love. For, uh, uh, faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6. Gentleness. You will never have gentleness independent of God's love. And you will never have self-control. Controlling your flesh. Independent of God's love. All eight of these are wrapped up in love. Okay? Yet we have, there's nine fruits or aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to bring this all out into 1 Corinthians 13 for just a moment. Uh, uh, next, uh, we'll go next slide. All nine fruit Spirit can find their true expression and completion within love. Okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here, but... You can really, if you study this out, you can find all eight in the, this list. Okay, love suffers long. That is long suffering. It's kind. That's very, it's kindness. Okay, love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. To me, a lot of that speaks towards meekness. It's not puffed up. Okay, does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. There's, there's a lot of patience in there. There's a lot of, uh, believes all things. There's faith. Okay? Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. I didn't spell out all eight, but you can find all eight of the, of the other fruit wrapped up in this one called love. Okay? You can, if you study it out. But in Galatians 6 2 it says, you know, but let me just do with this, uh, bearing all things just for a moment. You know, in Galatians, Paul also says that we are to bear one that is burdened and so fulfill the law of Christ. All the law is summed up in loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. We already talked about that when we talked about the, the Good Samaritan a little bit. But we are to bear one another's burdens. And when bearing one another's person, sometimes you need love. Sometimes you need law and suffering. Sometimes you need kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You know, and, and we can use all nine of those in bearing one another's bur bur burdens. And in doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? You can't fulfill the law of Christ without love, without the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? In other words, look, let's look at this for a moment again. We're talking about love and how all how eight of these other fruit go into love. If I walk in love, I will walk in joy. If I walk in love, I will walk in peace. I will walk in patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can fill in the blank with these words and that sentence is still true. If I walk in love, 
I will walk in self-control. If I'm walking in the Spirit, who is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, if I walk in love, I, I will walk in, in gentleness, faithfulness, and etc. I can change the sentence. That's what love is. Love is joy. Love is peace. Love is faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what love is. And that's all defined in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? Now, let's back up just for a moment. We just read from 1 Corinthians 13, but in 1 Corinthians 12, I want to switch gears one more time this morning, Paul says, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and I, I, I'm not going to teach on all of this again, but there's a, in chapter 12, this is the last verse of chapter 12, in the chapter 12, he was talking to the Corinthians church where he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about that so a few weeks ago, almost a month ago. We talked about the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12. He concludes chapter 12 before he goes into chapter 13, because this is the last verse. He says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And then we get into the love chapter. Okay? Not the love boat, the love chapter. Okay? And so, uh, and again, remember the Corinthians church was a Corinthian, was a church that was, there was a lot of division going on. There was a lot of strife and contentions going on in that church. Okay? <coughs> So he said, I want to show you a more excellent way. But keep in mind, he's going to go into the talk about love, but love is not a gift. Love is a fruit. The most excellent way, he's in chapter 12, he's talking about the gifts. In chapter 14, he talks about the gifts, specifically tongues and prophecy, which we talked about. And then he, right in the middle of all that, he talks about love being the most excellent way. But love is not a gift. It's a fruit. You can't say, well, I don't have the gift of love. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have the fruit of the Spirit, and we all are the love. Love versus strife. He's talking to a church, a Corinthian church, that there was a lot of strife in that church. They were taking each other to court. They were, there was a lot of disunity and selfishness. Love is a fruit. It's not a gift. Love is not replacing or negating the gifts. Love is how we properly operate in the gifts. The gifts are awesome, but the fruit is essential. This, okay? Then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. <coughs> and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. <coughs> the more excellent way is that we cannot build a church on the gifts alone. We become nothing as a church if our focus is on the gifts instead of loving God and loving people. I can't build a church on just the gifts. The gifts are essential. The gifts are important. I'm not writing out the gifts. But we, you know, without love, we think we're something when we are nothing. We, we grow, when we have, when we don't have love, we grow in confusion and every evil work. Okay? James 3.16 says, But where envy and strife and self-seeking is, there is confusion and every evil work. And in this church of Corinth, there was a lot of envy and strife and therefore, there was also a lot of evil work. You can't grow a church when there's every evil work. 
But you can grow a church where there's love. And all the gifts, all the fruit, excuse me, all the fruit is wrapped up in the word love. So whenever I see the word love, I'm, I'm seeing all nine fruit of the Spirit. Because they're all wrapped up in that same fruit. Okay? Did we already establish that? There's barrenness. We can't grow a church. We can't grow personally. We can't grow corporately if we're barren. If there's no fruitfulness, no fruit of the Spirit, we're barren. And we're, if we're carnally, carnally, the word carnal just means natural. If we're naturally independent of our personal relationship with God, we will be barren. We can't, we will be barren if we're independent of the DNA of God, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which we're born of. We're talking, church, this whole series is talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. And knowing the Holy Spirit intimately, as our intimate friend. And if we know the Holy Spirit, we can grow in God. We can grow in the fruits. And the fruit is the key of how we use the gifts. I am not expelling the gifts. I'm telling you, as Paul has been saying, this is how, the more excellent way of how to use the gift is love. And you can't have love without knowing the Holy Spirit, without knowing God, without a personal relationship with God, without His nature. But we have to develop this fruit. We have to develop. We have to mature. We have to be discipled. We have to grow. We have to mature and grow up in Him in all things. I mean, no fruit doesn't just, you plant a seed and it doesn't just pop on the tree. It has to develop. It has to mature. It has to ripen. Even when you start seeing some, some, uh, uh, blossoms on the tree, it still has to grow. Just because you start seeing some fruit, it still has to develop. But you cannot develop that fruit independent of a relationship with God, independent of walking and knowing the Holy Spirit. You can't have fruit. And if you have gifts and there's no love, you are nothing. Did he not say that? We can speak in tongues. We can prophesy. We can have revelational knowledge. We can have faith that moves mountains. We can give all we have to feed the poor. We can give our lives to be burned. But if we have not love, Paul said it multiple times, we are nothing. We have nothing. I don't care what gifts you have if you don't have love. But if you have love, and you have the DNA of God, the nature, the power, the virtue, the character of God, you can use the gifts, and you can turn this world upside down with Jesus Christ. You can't, the gifts mean nothing without the fruit of the Spirit, without love. But the, you do have the fruit of the Spirit. You already have it in seed form. But if you learn how to know the Holy Spirit, walk in the Holy Spirit, not fulfill the lust in the flesh, not the envy and strife and produce every evil work from the enemy, and you know how to love one another and, and use the fruit of the Spirit, you will be a powerful church that can turn the world and your country and your nation upside down for Jesus Christ. But you can't turn it on. The gifts are meaningless and nothing. They actually will be counterproductive if you don't have love and you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. It's just making sense. I'm not saying, he says it's the more excellent way. The more excellent way is walking in love with the, the full fruit of the Spirit so that these tongues, this prophecy, this revelational knowledge, this faith, all this, the gifts and whatnot will have 
have, have essence to it, will have meaning to it, will have this, the DNA of God. <clears throat> Hopefully I'm making sense. I don't know. Um, more excellent way. Without love, you, we are nothing. Our motives, our character, our integrity is important. Yet many are excellent in everything else but the fruit of the Spirit, but the nature of God. They, people flow through gifts, but I have no evidence that they need no God. I have no evidence that, <coughs> I have no evidence that they know the Holy Spirit. They might be working in gifts, but without character, without motive, without the fruit of the Spirit, all of their gifts mean nothing. And I'm not saying this to be mean. Church, I'm saying this so we can be effective in reaching our world. And yes, in this day. Yes, in this generation. Yes, with all the evil that's rampant in our, in our world today. There's a more excellent way. And it's through the walking in the Spirit. I'm not, I'm not negating the gifts. I'm trying to energize them. I'm trying to make them effective. I'm trying to make them work. Okay? Romans 6 11, Paul says, Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed of sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We have crucified the flesh. We're dead to our flesh, but we are alive in Christ Jesus. Our spirit man is born again. Same chapter, but I got to fast forward to verse 16 for the sake of time. <coughs> Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave for whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? I don't have a lot of time to explain all of this, but it's in the same chapter. I want to fast forward uh, one more one more time to verse 22. But now, having been set free from sin, He's been talking about this all the whole chapter, chapter 6, how we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. But now having, having been, past tense, set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and then and the end to everlasting life. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and we still are, but there's another fruit too that's called the fruit of holiness. It is also, it's also called the fruit of righteousness. Again, it's the fruit to holiness, or the fruit of holiness. The fruit of holiness is a fruit. Fruit is a byproduct of the tree. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, we, we put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and true holiness. Holiness is not what you do. Holiness is who you are born of. You are born of God, and then you should have the fruit of holiness in your life. If you don't have holiness evident in your life, then I'm asking, what byproduct are you producing? Because it's not God. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God, the, the, the fruit, whatever, whatever fruit is on your tree tells me what tree you are of. That, that, you know, you, you know how I know it's an apple tree? There's apples. Do you know how I know it's a rose bush? There's flowers. I don't just know it by its thorns. There's a lot of there's a lot of plants that have thorns. I know it by its fruit. You cannot be of God and produce the, the kingdom of darkness. It, you can't have that any more than you can plant corn and get raspberries. It doesn't work that way. 
Dogs beget dogs, cat beget cats. The fruit of two dogs together is going to be puppies, not mountain lions. Okay? It doesn't work that way. Okay? The fruit is a byproduct of the tree. So if you're going to, if you don't, if there's not holiness out of your life, you're not the source of holiness. We're born, we put on the new man who's created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4.24. But the fruit is a byproduct of the tree. Holiness is the fruit, not the root of salvation. You don't become saved by being holy. You are holy because you are saved. Holiness is a byproduct of a relationship with God. You cannot fulfill the, you cannot, you cannot not fulfill the lust of the flesh by the flesh. You fulfill the lust of the flesh by walking in the spirit, having a relationship with God. If there, if there's not holiness, if, if that whole list that we read in Galatians 5 will not inherit the kingdom of God is a fruit that they don't have a relationship with God. But why? Because there's not the fruit. Okay. It got quiet in this Presbyterian church. But anyway, at some point in time, you know, there's fruit. And if you will walk with God, this goes with our teaching on Sunday nights with effortless change. If you will walk with God, God's nature on the inside of you will begin to change you almost effortlessly. Because his, it's already there in seed form. You just begin to water that puppy and it will grow. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit seed is in you and you're born again. It's already there. If you're born again, then His fruit, the fruit of His Spirit, His seed, His nature, His DNA, His virtue is already on the inside of you. His holiness is already on the inside. His righteousness is already on the inside of you. But as you abide in Him, and I abide in Him, that phrase means walk in Him in the Greek. Those character traits should begin to surface in your life. Including holiness, including righteousness, including the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc. Okay? John 15. Jesus, again, and if, you, if you know your Bible, in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he spends three chapters talking about the Holy Spirit just before he goes to the cross. In John 17, we have Jesus praying in the garden just before he got arrested. But in John 14, 15, and 16, he's three chapters. Jesus, in context, is talking about the Holy Spirit. In the middle, in the middle of a chapter, John 15, he talks about abiding in him. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, of his soul. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, unless you abide in me. We're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. We're talking about knowing intimately our friend, the Holy Spirit. We, how do we know him? How do we see his fruit evident in our life? We know it by abiding in him, by, by knowing him. Excuse me. Verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. God wants us to bear much fruit. What fruit? I believe the fruit of the Spirit, which also can be manifested in the gifts of the Spirit. You can, if, you're, if, if you're just producing the gifts of the Spirit and there's not the fruit of the Spirit that's behind those gifts, then I'm saying you're producing the gifts in your own flesh. 
That's you doing it, not God doing it. That means you are abiding in you, not God. But if I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me bears much fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit. Church, we should not just, there should not just be a little tinkle coming out of us. There should be much fruit. It should be so evident that there's love, joy, peace, goodness, holiness, and righteousness coming out of our life. It should be evident. For without me, you can do nothing. That sounds a lot by first, first Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3. Without love, you can do, you are nothing. Same language. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, <coughs> is withered, and that they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. That sounds a lot by Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 to 19. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. <coughs> by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. God is not glorified if you do a bunch of gifts. God is glorified if you bear fruit. And with that fruit can come the gifts. But if the fruit is not there, then it's just a bunch of, you're just a cleaning symbol. You're just a, you're just a loud noise. You, you're, you're nothing. But God is glorified. God is not glorified because you use gifts. God is glorified because there's fruit. How do I know it's of God? Because there's fruit. How do I know it's not of God? There's no fruit. God is glorified. So you will be my disciples. What's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit? To guide us in all truth. Guiding you in all truth is discipleship. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's guiding you all truth so you can bear much fruit. You cannot bear much fruit without being a disciple of Jesus Christ. How do you become a disciple of Jesus Christ? You become born again. You become born again, being filled with the Spirit. You will bear much fruit. It's the same story, just, you know, different analogies. If you really want to grow, if you really want to mature and grow, pursue a relationship with God. Pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you want to grow, be His disciple. Walk in the Spirit. Abide in the Spirit. His fruit will begin to develop in your life. If you want to grow, then Pursue a relationship with knowing the Holy Spirit. Getting along, now, let me switch gears one more time. Getting along with others. Because a lot of this fruit of the Spirit, and especially love, and patience, long-suffering, self-control, have to do with getting along with people. There's not one of these fruit that have to do with you just getting along with yourself. And some of you can't even do that. Okay? The, one of the hardest things in life is, is getting along with others. It's easy. One of the easiest things to do is just quit on people. This is really talking about meekness and faithfulness. Okay? I want to spend a little bit of time on here just for a couple minutes. Get along with others. You will be challenged on all of these character traits on a regular basis, even in the church, because where, where there's people, where there's sheep, there's manure. How many of you know people are get messy? I saw a little video clip on uh, Facebook this morning, and it was a it was a, a sheep who was trapped in this little ditch. The guy tried to rescue it. 
The sheep got out, was so happy it was free, it went right back in the ditch. <laughs> and sometimes we're that way, you know. But anyway, you, you, you'll be challenged. You, you do what people, you know. I've heard this so many different ways from both the pulpit and the pew. People said, you know, the, the, uh, church is great if there wasn't just, it wasn't for the people. When you get people, you're going to have some problems. Okay? And I'm not trying to do, I'm not saying that to be mean or whatever. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know, uh, we got people, you're going to have challenges. Get along with others. When you deal with people, you are going to be tempted to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Often. Again, I'm just being real. But you, when you deal with people, you're going to be tempted not to love. You're going to be tempted not to have patience or be faithful. You're going to be tempted to, your flesh is going to lust for itself. It's going to, it's going to lust to, to, you know what, I, part of my spirit was wanting to be kind and good to that person, going out of my way, but I'm tired. I don't want to get up. I just worked hard for my money, and now the Spirit of God's telling me to give it to somebody who hasn't even worked all week, hasn't worked all year. I'm just doing different things that our flesh can lust for, different scenarios that I can lust for. But your 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 flesh is going to be tempted not to have self-control, not to have some of these different things. But if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me paint another picture for you. Oh, this will come out of my teaching this morning. But Jesus ministered out of compassion. After a long journey, he had compassion on the people to feed the multitudes. They had no they had no money, they had no food, but a boy had a lunch, and he moved out of compassion to do a miracle, which was one of the gifts. But he moved he did it out of love, not selfishness. And just, he, 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 he had good, it was goodness and gentleness, kindness. Jesus often, when he healed the sick and he ministered to people, he did it out of compassion. And when you have a, a notion to do something good, a kind, go out of your way to somebody, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Your flesh might be too tired, might be too selfish, might be whatever the case may be. But you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh if you walk in the Spirit. Because Jesus, I mean, knew. And, and that boy didn't lose anything because he went home with 12 baskets. He had a boy's lunch. I mean, he was like the, 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 the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. You know, he came home with some seeds, planted those, and, uh, and that was a whole other story the next morning. Okay? One, again, one of the hardest things in life is getting along with others. One of the easiest things in life is to quit on each other. Hebrews 10, though, says, And let us consider one another in order to spur or to stir one another up to love and good deeds. We're supposed to stir one another to love and good deeds. That's why he says in the next verse, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, <coughs> as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, the, again, the early church was steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to prayer, and the breaking of bread. You know, I don't know if you've ever put these two verses together, but we're not, we are not to forsake one another. We're to bear with one another. To provoke, <coughs> to provoke one another to love and good works. I, you know, I used, uh, through the years, I've always taught this scripture to be 
we need to come together as a church. And I can use that scripture for that purpose. But I can also use this in in the individual case. We are not to forsake one another. We are to provoke one another to love and good deeds. It's not just about you you four no more. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's the lust of the flesh. Okay. Remember 1 Corinthians 13? It doesn't seek its own. It, it forbears one another. Okay. I'm going to talk about this word forbearance. I don't have the scripture here, but if you go back to Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit is listed in verses 22 to 23, this word forbearance is used in the Amplified Bible. If you use your Amplified Bible to read where the list, the list where the fruit of the Spirit is mentioned in Galatians 5, you'll see this word forbearance. And this word forbearance is used in other scriptures, but it's talking a lot about patience and long-suffering. Most of the Bibles use the word long-suffering or patience, but the Amplified also includes the word forbearance. I just want to go off this just for a moment. Because I can use this with the other nine, nine fruit. Where is the nature of God on the inside of us to forbear one another when we quit on one another? When we're not assembling things with one another? When we're not caring about one another? When we're, again, like the Corinthian church, we're fighting with one another. Where's the nature of God in all that? How are we going to grow as a church if we have the gifts, but we're fighting and we're not forbearing with one another? Okay? Again, forbearance. Forbearance is not tolerating everything. We're not tolerating sin. We're not tolerating junk. But where, the, where is the fruit of the Spirit to give up on your fellow man so easily? We have seen this happen so many times where people just forgive, forgive, I mean, we've seen people do this with family members where they won't forbear with one another, let alone their fellow man of the body of Christ. You are, church, we are born again. We're born of the Spirit, John 3, 6. You have the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Would the Holy Spirit give on about people? Did the Holy Spirit ever give up on you when you were on that Jericho road? stripped, left half naked and wounded? Did Jesus, your neighbor, come to you and forbear with you? We need, the fruit of the Spirit is also forbearing one another. Some of us need to get out of our comfortable surroundings and forbear one another. I'm not against you having nice things and being comfortable and and having time to smell the roses and spend time with your family. That needs to be a priority of your life. But don't let that be the only priority of your life where you are not forbearing one another and, 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 and a couple of, you know, we all have manure. We all have, you know, we all smell the same, think the same, all, all the different things. And I'm not trying to be crude here. But, you know, we all have faults. And again, we're not tolerating everything. But we are, we are forbearing one another. Loving one another. You know, why did I spend time on this? Because I can tie all nine of the fruit of the Spirit, patience, long-suffering, meekness, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control, to how we treat one another. Okay? Romans 5, 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, or by the Holy Spirit, uh, which is given unto us. The love of God. All, again, all nine, all five can be wrapped up in this word love. I've already talked, dealt with that. That's why I spent some time on that. 
But you cannot love, you cannot forbear with one another, uh, independent of knowing the Holy Spirit. You just can't. Jesus did not do anything that he did not see his father do. Jesus spent nights spending time with his father. We, we marvel at Jesus doing miracles. We marvel at his earthly ministry. And yet he had to rely on knowing the Holy Spirit. He didn't even start his ministry until he received the Holy Spirit at the baptism of of John. And he also didn't do anything that he didn't see his father do. Jesus could, would not have had the ministry that he had if he did not prioritize spending time with the Father. You cannot love independent of the Holy Spirit. Love is of God. You are born of God. Love is a fruit. It's not of ourselves. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the ability to love is beyond your natural uh, ability. <clears throat> John, verse John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I mean, that the scripture pretty much tells it for me. We love because we know God. We're born of God. We know the Holy Spirit. We have the nature of God. Without, without his love, we are nothing. We have established that. With his love, we are everything. Love never fails. First Corinthians 13, 8. We need to know the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the Holy Spirit. Love is of God. Love is not of your feelings. It's not of your emotions. Love is not of this world. Love affect, but love does affect your emotions. And love can raise your emotions from the dead. All nine of these attributes of the, whole, uh, of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, good, good, it's all, actually, they're all, in one sense, look like emotions, but they're of God. They're not of this world. They're not your feelings and emotions. They're of God. But His love, His nature, can raise your emotions from the dead. So you can have compassion on people. You can forbear with one another. You can be meek. You can be gentle and kind. Going back to the beginning of Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that this tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. And character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I'm running out of time, so I'm going through this a little fast. But there was a lot in here about how we get along with one another, hardship and tribulation and whatnot. You know, the love of God, well, you know, experience produces character, what we just read. Let me go back two verses. Tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character. God might not be the source of that tribulation, but if you have, if you're walking with God, if you're walking with the Spirit, He can produ- He can use your experience, even your tribulation, to produce character. You cannot separate love from the Holy Spirit because it's in this context that He says that love has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Love doesn't disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Why? Because His love. I don't. You might be going through tribulations. In these last days, there's going to be tribulations. Jesus said it's impossible that tribulations won't come. But at the same point in time, 
And all that can help experience produce character. But in the midst of all that tribulation, you cannot you you can you can love because love has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hope that never disappoints. No matter how turbulent it gets, love, the hope does not disappoint. Because why? Because his love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In First Thessalonians he says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Again, love, when, uh, this word love, I can wrap all nine fruits of the Spirit into this word love, as we've talked talk about. But I'm trying to, what the point I bring out here in this passage in Thessalonians is that you have to be taught to love one another. Love is not a natural fruit. It's a supernatural fruit. Love is of God. You have to be discipled in this. You have to grow in this. You have to walk in this. You have to be taught to love one another. In Titus, he's talking about how older women are to teach younger women. And I'm just teaching, I'm just taking this out of context for a moment. He says that they, the older women, teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands and to love their children. You have to be taught. Even the, even to love your husbands, even to love your spouse or your kids, you have to be taught to love one another. It's not, it's not natural. Love, God's love, is supernatural. It's the fruit of His Spirit. You will walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But even though you, you don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, you still have to be taught to love one another. <coughs> love is taught, not caught. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a virus. <laughs> I caught it. Oh, I didn't get it. It's not a little cupid with a little arrow. Love is not, is not based on how I feel. Love is a responsibility. It's an emotion. It's a, a commitment to love. You have to be taught it. But it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of being taught, being discipled from walking with God, walking with the Spirit. I mean, I mean you know, when you walk with the Spirit, the Spirit is leading you into all truth. The, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. There's many attributes of the Holy Spirit, and one of them is to teach you. And he's going to teach you the responsibility to love one another, to, to love your, your family and love one another. It's a commitment. It's taught. John thirteen thirty five. Jesus said, by, all, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Disciples. If we don't love one another, then we have not been taught to love. Why have we not been taught enough? Because we're not his disciples. We're not following him. We're not letting him teach us. Okay? And again, John 13 is right before he spends three chapters on talking about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, and 16. John 17, on John 17, he talks about the Holy Spirit for three chapters. In John 17, <laughs> Jesus is praying. In the midst of this prayer, verse 20, 21, he says, I do not pray for these alone. Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying to his Father. He says, I did not pray for these alone, the twelve that were before him, actually the eleven. Judas had already left. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they, he's talking about us, may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I'm going to spend some more time on this next week. But our number one witness to the world is how we love one another. Our number one witness that the world can believe in Jesus is how we treat one another. 
We're going to talk next week. We're going to come to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit has shed... We've been talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about walking in the Spirit. We're talking about the nature of God. We're talking about being born of God. And we're talking... In conclusion of this message this morning, we're talking about how the number one way that we're going to reach the world in power is, is how we love one another. You can have gifts, you can move mountains, you can speak prophecy, but if you have not love, you are nothing. And if you don't have love, I don't care what gifts you have, I don't care what miracles you're doing. If you do not have love, the world will not know that we are his disciples and the world will not believe on Jesus. I, I'm all for the miracles. We need to see more. The church needs to wake up. We need to... Miracles should be, <coughs> miracles should be the norm. At the same point in time, loving one another is the character and nature of the people of God. Okay? I'll spend a little more time on that next week. We talked in the weeks past about how Jesus is our neighbor, but throughout his ministry, our neighbor, Jesus had compassion, love for the people. We, we want to do ministry. We want to see the world turn. Then we need to love like Jesus loved. We need to minister our compassion the way Jesus did. Why are we going to do ministry in the gifts different than Jesus did? No, that doesn't work that way. We need to operate in ministry. Ministry, I can, I can dissect that word. It means to serve one another. That's what the word ministry means in the Greek. It means we serve one another out of compassion. That is ministry. Okay? Again, if I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are, are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things which you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh. This is not the Spirit. The works of the flesh are evident. I'm not going to read all that again, uh, that whole list. The works of the flesh. If we walk after the flesh, we're going to have the fruit of the flesh. What's the fruit of the flesh? All these things that I didn't just read. Okay? That's the fruit of the flesh. But if we walk after the Spirit, we won't fulfill. Well, I'm sorry, we, not only will we not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which is all these things, but if we walk in the Spirit, we will have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, goodness, etc. The fruit is a natural byproduct of the tree. Which one? Are we going to have the fruit of the flesh, or are we going to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? But we need to put to death the lust of the flesh by walking in the Spirit. Um, again, they're in seed form. You have all nine in you, and you're born against spirits. Walk, steadfast focus on the seed, this fruitful growth process. Everyday life manifestations, grow. it's a progressive growth. We need to see this daily in our life. We need to see, we want to see this de, de, these seeds producing our life, manifesting our life progressively every single day. But how do we do that? We walk, we steadfast. You know, when we plant, uh, when we plant seeds out, 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 out in the yard or whatever in the garden, we can't just plant it one day, pluck it out the next day. No, it has to be in there. It needs to be, there's a steadfastness to it. Anything's going to grow, uh, whether you're talking about a puppy, a dog, whether you're talking about a human or anything else, there's going to have to be a regular diet, a regular walk. There's going to have to be a lifestyle, a progressive lifestyle for it to grow progressively. You don't want to feed everything. You don't want to eat everything you're going to eat in your life in one day. You just blow up like a balloon. No, you know you you you, you know you, you there's a progressiveness to it. Okay. 
Again, we already talked about this. Let's be said about in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I'm over time. I'm trying to see if I can get to the end here uh, real quick. When love is developed, it will manifest joy. It will manifest the fruit of the Spirit. When love is developed. Love is of God. We're born of God. But it needs to be discipled. It needs to be developed in our lives. This is where I want to get to. This is where I'm going to conclude on. You know, when Sherry and I met, this was one of our favorite passages of Scripture. But Ephesians 3, I'm going to slow down just a little bit. I'm going to go over just a couple minutes, but I'm going to wrap it up with this. In Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, Paul is praying a prayer. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, I mean, no, we're a family, in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. <coughs> that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height. We want you to comprehend all the love of God. That's, there's a progression in that. But we, that, we want you to comprehend all of the love of God by faith. We want you to be rooted and grounded. That's a process. But the goal is not just a seed being sown, but that seed will grow and mature and be, you be rooted and grounded in the love of God. We love because He first loved us. Verse 19 is what I want to get to. To know the love of Christ. We're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. We've already spent a whole hour here talking about how love is wrapped up in the, in, in the fruit of the Spirit. It's shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. To know the love of Christ, which passes or surpasses knowledge. There's two kinds of knowledge here. There's a knowledge, there, 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 there's a knowing, intimately knowing the love of Christ. This is the word intimacy. This is the word intellect knowledge. There's a difference between I can intellectually know that my wife loves me and I can tell her intellectually I love her. And then there's a difference between me telling her I love her and us experiencing love in a relationship. Okay? This whole thing called Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. There's a lot of people who know about God, but they have never known God. And our thing, I don't want you just to know about the love of Christ. I don't want you just to know about the Holy Spirit. These last 16 weeks, I've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. I want you to know the Holy Spirit. And the, the Holy Spirit will, will, He will guide you in all truth. He will reveal to you the love of Christ. He will reveal to you the fruit of His Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. He will reveal the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And when you know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, you may be filled with all the fullness of God. My heart as a pastor, the reason we do everything we do in this church is so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. Not just some of God, not just part of God, but the fullness of God. Do you know how big God is? The God who created the universe? The God who created all things? The God who's been here since the beginning. The God who saved you. The God who's done everything. I get, the list can go on. God is going to fill you. The, and the Amplified says overflowing with, the, with God himself. 
And now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. You don't just have to ask it, even if you think it. And I don't know about you, but I think a lot. My, I have a wild imagination. Okay? According to the power that works in us. What's working in you? God! The fullness of God! How's it working? By love! When you know His love, you're filled with the fullness of God, and the fullness of God who's in you, because it's already in you in seed form, the fullness, the nature, the DNA of God, the virtue of God is already in you, it, it, it's able to do a far beyond that we can ever think or imagine. We're going to come next week, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That power that's in you is the love of God, is the nature of God, is the fruit of God, is the Spirit of God. We can't get the Acts 1 8 and separate that from the love of Christ. We can't separate that from the fullness of God. That power is on the work, and He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ever pray, above all that you ever even think and imagine. It is all done. All of that is done. All the gifts, all the miracles, all the great things is done to you according to this power that is at work. It's not dead. It's alive. It's not working. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that brought life to your mortal body. The same power that filled you. You were on the Jericho Road and He rescued you. He filled you with His oil and His wine. And He filled you with His Spirit. With the very fullness of God. He didn't just give you His best angel. He didn't just give you gifts. He gave you Himself. The fullness of Him. This is what I call being spirit-filled. To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, including this generation, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Love is not of this world. It is of God. Love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We are to be rooted and grounded in this love. Jesus operated with the compassion on the people. We are to love God and one another. This love is of God. It's the nature of God. It's the fruit of His Spirit, His virtue, His very life. It surpasses knowledge, intellect. And I have to get this love from God by knowing the Holy Spirit, by knowing God. Again, this verse, my key verse, is just really the capstone of our ministry. His love surpasses knowledge. It's beyond the intellect. It's knowing the Holy Spirit. It's knowing His love. It's walking in the Spirit. His fruit. His love. Knowing and experiencing the Holy Spirit as my friend. As my, as my teacher. As my counselor. As my guide. This is what I call being Spirit filled. Filled with the fullness of God. When you know the Holy Spirit, His love. You will be filled with the fullness of God. You will be filled with His nature. You will be filled with His fullness, His fruit, His love, His power, His virtue. When you know the Holy Spirit, His love, His power, He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or imagine. It's not just a one-time event like tons of manifestation you receive when you receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even though you can continue with that ton. But knowing the love of Christ, knowing the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, abiding in Him, in the fruit of the Spirit, is a lifestyle. It's a nature. You know, the, 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 the vine, the, the apple doesn't just 
You know, it doesn't just keep hopping off the tree. It has to abide till it comes to fullness. And then when it comes to fullness, it can be enjoyed by the world. It can be enjoyed. And in that apple is more seed. So you can have more apple trees. And you can have more apples. There's multiplication that's taking place. The power of the Holy Spirit flows out of our relationship with God, with our relationship with knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing His character. His character flows in and through us. His nature flows in and through us. His fruit, His virtue, His life flows in and through us. Again, ending with our key verse that we've had since the beginning. I want you to know the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God that we've been talking about all morning. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And we're going to finish this next week. I'm not quite done. I've got a, a little, little more to do. Uh, and like I said, I'm going to go to Acts 1-8, which a lot of you probably thought I would start. <laughs> I'm going to end with that. You know, and uh, you know, I've written a couple of books before. I I wrote the last chapter first, and then I went back and tried to explain everything to get to that point. <laughs> and so, but I just uh, I want you to know the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you get in my heartbeat. I don't. I don't even know if I'm conveying everything I'm trying to convey. I want the gifts. I want the miracles, but I want it to be of God, not flesh. I don't want it man-made. I want it to be spirit-filled. I want it to be of God. Uh, you know, I, and, and there's so much I can I can talk about this. And uh, it just, uh, Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Reveal Jesus. Reveal this truth to us. Lord, bring revival to us. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for uh, a great worldwide revival, a great awakening. But start with me. Start with us. Teach us. More important than anything else is knowing you on a personal basis that we can be filled with the very fullness of God. If we have God, nothing else matters. And if we have God, you will give us compassion on people and different things and you will work in us and through us your will Doing the wonderful works of God. Lord, we are, we have settled for so little of what you have planned for us individually and as a, as a, as a, as a body and as a, both locally and at large. Lord, it's time for the church to be the church, to be the spirit filled church. You have ordained before the foundation of the world. Because all the prophets look to see this day that we live in. We marvel at their day. They marvel ahead of time to our day. And Lord, help us to fulfill and bring as many as we can to receive that oil and come into the kingdom of God. And to be filled with the same power we have. So they can go and do likewise. Amen. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, God bless you.